0: gobble gobble welcome to buckets my name is matt moore and i'm the senior nba writer for the action network glad to have you with us on a monday this thanksgiving week hope you guys are having yourselves a nba betting season to be thankful for this is buckets the nba betting podcast and the action network brought to you by FanDuel. my name is matt moore i'm the senior nba writer i'm joined today by two very special guests joe delara nba props what's what's a reference I need like a with it's supposed to be whiz kid because it kind of rhymes but you're you're a man whiz man whiz man sounds wrong anyway yeah, Joe's here. I feel like you can't do that one <laughs> Joe's here so is Jim Turvey he's going to be joining us as well as we look at a couple of futures we'll talk about the latest stuff this is your money recap episode uh, a little bit different format for this week I didn't want to do futures because Brandon and I just did all the win totals and I want to give MVP like another week before we kind of do like a 20% of the way check-in next week so I'm putting futures Features aside for today, We're going to talk about the injuries and how they've impacted things. We're talking about the most important covers over the weekend, and we're going to get into a little bit of the best bet for MVP right at the end, but no awards talk for this week. Want well, will let you know that everything we talk about on today's show can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information where the bets and money you're coming in on. You can find all sorts of great analysis like... Stucky that's going to claim that the Chargers was a great bet when it was a horrible bet. The Chiefs should have covered that game by two touchdowns. No, I'm not mad. I didn't have money on it. I just am really annoyed at the conversation around Kansas City Chiefs. But that's a football conversation. We're going to talk basketball today. And we're going to start with the Philadelphia 76ers right after. Right after Brandon and I get done talking about like, hey, I still feel pretty good about the Sixers. Yeah, you know what? They're starting to round it. Out. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey got hurt. That immediately yeah. Tyrese Maxey gets hurt. And a monster went over the box. Um, so there's a lot of ways we can kind of go with this, with this max injury. Let's put the timeline in perspective out two to four weeks uh, with the injury. It's going to be a little bit, little bit of time for him. Uh, I'm sorry, 48 weeks f- for him. Harden's supposed to be back in two. So December 3rd is like the circled kind of like, that's when you can start looking to see if Harden is back or not. He told reporters the other day, he's on track and feels great. That means absolutely nothing. There is that doesn't mean anything because when a player feels like he's recovered from the injury and when he feels like he's in game condition to start playing again are two different things. So don't expect that. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you. I immediately when, when, when Maxie got hurt that night, I bet Harden three units MVP. I went in on Harden on, I'm sorry, I'm yet MVP. I immediately went in on a beat. Yeah. Uh, the thinking for me is this. I think he smashes over this stretch. I think he puts up huge points on huge usage. Particularly, he's playing a bunch of teams without a weekend, with a weak interior. He loves to beat up on bad teams. There are some tougher teams towards the end of the stretch when Maxi will be out, but Harden will be back for some of that. So that'll oh. help a little bit. And my thought process is that the wins and losses don't honestly matter here because I think at full strength, they still get to 47, 48, 49, maybe 50 plus wins. And if they do, he buffets the numbers now, even if the win-loss is not great. And then later, he can buffet the win-loss record when his numbers get a little bit lower. So as yeah. somebody that builds a position throughout the entire season, I've been betting stuff consistently week by week. I went ahead and put three units on MB. That was my first reaction from an, from just an awards perspective. And even though we're not going to talk individually about the awards, what was kind of your reaction when Tyrese Maxi got hurt? Yeah,
2: it took me a minute. I wanted to see um, what I felt a little bit nervous. I mean, granted the Celtics have been incredible anyway, but about, you know, there are the prospects of the Sixers winning the division, but I still think that they're going to be good. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Embiid, I think he's actually gotten better. And it's something that we've discussed on the podcast. And I know you've discussed at length about and criticized really is his ability to especially pass out of a double team. And I think he's gotten better at that. And over the last two seasons, actually, without Maxi and Harden, you we actually see Embiid's assist jump. He's averaging 6.4 in eight games without those guys. So he's able to really be like a center point and like a hub for this offense that I don't think he could have done in years previously, but he's kind of getting there. That's a new skill that he's really developed. Um, I think that the Sixers are going to be fine. Their upcoming schedule, like you said, is like very soft. I mean, they have a big matchup with the Nets on Tuesday night, uh, which I think I'm going to be betting on the 76ers, Mm. but uh, they have a big matchup there. And then they have games against the Hornets, back-to-back against the Magic, the Hawks. Like, this is soft. And if Embiid can really put up some monster numbers here – this is his time to shine and maybe get an MVP award. That's not just given by the council of Philadelphia.
0: Jim. So uh, when you look at kind of like how this is, is shaping up, I guess the big question is, uh, do you think the Sixers are going to be okay on a long-term basis? And this is a short-term issue. Are you worried that this is going to be something that really like, I think there was a lot of like, Oh God, the Sixers are doomed talk, which I was like, guys, it's, he's not out for the season. If he's out for the season, I'll be with you. We got five months to the playoffs. Like I am simultaneously in these games matter. We're almost 20% of the way through the season. You can't just ignore these games, but also there's five months of basketball in front of us. There's a long way to go. Uh, what's kind of your reaction and how to bet Philadelphia right now, given the maxi injury.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'm with Joe hundred percent this next week. Um, it, lo- it looks pretty winnable that, that Brooklyn matchup um, Claxton is going to be out for potentially as well. So, you know, he, Against that front line already, he's got a massive uh, advantage. And then, you know, if Claxton can't make it, um, that's you know they're looking in great shape. My worry here would be the the long term effect on Embiid of having to carry a team entirely for two weeks. Um, yeah. I am a Embiid. I, I love Embiid, um, but I do get a little bit worried with you know everything coming down on him. Now, at the start of the season, he didn't look like he was up for it. Couple weeks in, he suddenly looked like you know that 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 injury that was bugging him to start the season kind of faded away. He did look like he was carry capable of carrying a team. We know he can do it for stretches. The key is going to be with him. It's always health, right? And if he if these two weeks where he is putting up insane numbers and and making you know if you if you get in on a bead today, like I think maybe both of you did, that number is going to be a lot shorter by the end of the week. I almost guarantee it. But when we come down to the, you know, to the end of the season, is he going to have, you know, kind of burned out, a, you know, a couple weeks later in the season where, you know, because he was going for 40, 15 and five for this two week stretch to carry them without
0: Harden and and Maxi, is that going to kind of come back to haunt him down, down the um, stretch? It's a good question. I think the only thing is that I never really worry about Embiid in terms of too much being put on him because nobody is protected more than he is. Like, that's just a fact. It's just, They've, they have, from the very beginning, they've been very proactive with his injury history and understanding that he needs nights off. Like, he just takes nights off. And so, if he gets in a spot where he's just feeling run down, like, they'll just rest him. I'm never worried about them putting too much on him. I, I don't worry about that. The Sixers will always kind of be like, we can make the playoffs, even if he misses this game or two games or whatever. I don't feel like there will be a, oh, well, Harden and Maxey's out, so we need you to go. You know, there won't be a pressure thing. They'll be like, Hey, how are you feeling? And he'll be like, I'm sleepy. And I'm like, okay, we'll hey, take a nap, big fella. And like, that's just how they, they are with him. So, um, there are yeah. some players that that play all 72, 82 games. And then there's players that don't. And Joel's one of the ones that doesn't. So, uh, I'm not as worried about that. One thing I am worried about is the Memphis Grizzlies, who they're dealing with a lot of issues right now. So, Jaw goes down with an ankle. It's just an ankle sprain. It should be okay. Bane's out several weeks. And for me, Jim, that's honestly a bigger problem is Bain being out because Bain's been so I crucial for them that I feel like this is a bigger issue. I have some more, more kind of concerns about Memphis. I mean, Jaron just got back from injury and he looks good-ish, um, yeah. but they don't have a lot of depth. A little bit of this, I worry about being confirmation bias. And like, look, my numbers are always going to suggest fading Memphis. I was very nearly on Brooklyn. On Sunday night, when they got the Grizzlies got housed by the the Nets, and I didn't know how to anticipate the return of Kyrie Irving, and so I didn't know how to factor that in. But Memphis is going to be a team that, whether Jaws there or not, I'm going to be looking to I think fade just because they're they're really banged up already.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you 100. I I I mean, Jaw is a better player, but Bain is in a way more, more essential to the Grizzlies success. Um, you know, you look at who's backing up, um, you got Jones to back up Morant. That's a really solid backup point guard. Uh, right now, John Conchar is starting. And, you know, if you're relying on 15 to 20 from him, you're not in great shape. Now before the season, I was, uh, you know, I planted my flag on, on Memphis Grizzlies Island and I, I was the high man here at action. And part of it was, I do think they deal with these injuries better than, than most teams. So I'm not quite as nervous. The Bane injury does have me nervous. One guy who I, I think is going to be kind of key this next stretch. And I'd, I'd love to see a little bit more of him. And I know it's not a position for position fit with, with Bain or Murant, but Brandon Clark is a guy who I thought when uh triple J was out to start season, I thought he was going to like kind of step in. I know that it went with Aldama in the end, but I was looking for a little bit more from Clark and his numbers are actually down this year. Um, I know you're worried about their depth in general and so far it it hasn't played out exactly as I've seen. I mean, I, they, they're, they're getting wins. They're, they're doing kind of some grizzly stuff, but it does look like they're kind of teetering in a way that even has me, probably the high person on Memphis, a little bit nervous. Um, if not for the long term, then certainly for this, this upcoming stretch here.
0: Joe, I'll, so last year, a bit, a lot was made of the fact that the Grizzlies kept winning and covering and being great without
2: Kind of funny. Yeah. With,
0: with that, that was like a big deal last year. And I, I pushed back on it because I've just, I've seen the shit before where I tend to think of every season for a team as its own microorganism. Like it's a, its its own kind of environment. It's an own, own ecosystem and you can have the same personnel, but it will just react differently. Guys change, guys evolve, yeah. roles change, players develop. Like technically speaking, the Grizzlies of last year were, were a lot roster wise, like the year before. But they were way different because Desmond Bain learned how to dribble. And that changed things dramatically for them. Um, And also, Dylan Brooks missed a lot of games, but we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, let's say, I mean, you know. (laughs) Uh, But so, I I don't have a lot of faith here in, I'll say this, if Bain comes back and Jaw is out, I feel like everyone's going to be like, you know who's really great without Jaw is the Grizzlies. And everyone's going to go that route. I think I'm probably going to be going the other way from the perspective of, I don't necessarily know that that stat was indicative of who they are
2: yeah i mean i think it's kind of tough because you're missing two guys now like and it, it's 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 kind of one of the things like you could survive maybe one or the other but it's like when you start losing both then it's like it's kind of like how we how many points somebody's worth to the spread and yeah. then it's like oh like this person's worth three but then it's like two so it's like is this a five point move it's like no, no no it's it's now like an eight point move because you're missing both and like i think it, what's interesting about this is you're missing in my opinion at least like the two best players in the grizzlies i mean we can argue where jaron jackson jr falls in that but no it's like it's, still, it's those two yeah was, i think it's those it two was. so you're losing the two best players on the team um and two of really like your best offensive options on the team as well because dylan brooks just it doesn't matter how many times he shoots he's gonna score 20 points um and you know like at, I think that what's going to be interesting is as long as they can stay in the playoff picture, which I don't think we can just take for granted. But as long as they can, you're, they, this might be a really crucial opportunity for them to develop their young guys. Um, you know, like whether it's David Roddy or Laravia, like and see C- if they, if one of them can fit and just say like, all right, well, if they do perform, now this team has depth where we didn't think they had depth. So as long as they can stay around, but I think what you're, what you were alluding to is right. Like somebody's got to come back because this team as currently constructed, I think is like bad. Um, And I, I'm definitely not looking to back them, especially with, you know, like your leading scorer being Dylan Brooks with these two guys out. Um, The one thing that I did like, and I think, I think Brandon wrote about it, um, and I'm not sure. I think the odds have kind of like tanked right now. But uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. to win Defensive Player of the Year, I think, could be interesting. Uh, granted, if they're gonna, if he's gonna start missing a lot of games, um, then I think it, it, maybe there's a little bit of a buy opportunity still. Uh, and it didn't get n- like nuked too much at this point in time.
1: Well, like Joe said, um, just a, a, I, I agree on the triple J point. And I, I think what he had five blocks in his first game and not yeah, even in like a in full, full minute share. But um, <laughs> to your point on on Bain and Ja, it's, it, they lose their their shot creators, right? Like Brooks, we know he can create a shot. He creates 30 <laughs> of them a game, but uh, it, he's not creating shots for the offense. And And I think you're right that That was a great example on the the point spread. It it feels exponential to have those two shot creators and and offense drivers out out for them.
0: It's a cluster injury, right? Like that's the best comparison for it. It's it's a cluster injury in terms of playmaking. So if like we look at it from a a football perspective, how cluster injuries in the wide receiving core or whatever can impact the spread. I think it's a similar kind of thing here. We just evaluate them based off of their overall value and production in basketball. And I think we should take a look at what clusters to certain areas of necessary skills whether it's rebounding or shock you know playmaking or whatever how those can impact the spread as well
2: yeah and i mean i think especially with the grizzlies just real quick here it's like when you lose your two guards i think that this should i'm not sure what what it's going to wind up shaking out to be but i'd imagine that their depth is going to be damaged like significantly at the guard position i think fading them in the second quarter uh, against stronger bench units, might be an angle just because you're getting you're getting like real deep onto that Grizzlies bench in the second quarter, probably. So that might be an angle at least right now
0: and right away before it adjusts. Uh, Dame re- reaggravated his calf for the Blazers, so Portland's once again going to be without Dame for a little bit. Now they just said they reaggravated it; it's mostly about caution. Think it should be fine. They've looked pretty good without him in the stretches that they were that he was missing. They actually weren't that bad. Uh, they were actually pretty good. Simons, as long as a, it's kind of the similar thing with Memphis, where as long as Dame's out, but Simons is in, you're fine. But when Dame and Simons were both out, that's when you're like, Well, they they really can't kind of do this. Jeremy Grant's been really great. I don't know how his props have been doing. I would think Jeremy Grant's props have got to be hitting at a pretty high rate. Um, yeah. so I I I don't necessarily a lot of this with Portland is I don't know really how to evaluate them. I don't know how real they are yet. I'm still very much in a, let's see where they're at at Christmas. Not from a, I'm skeptical. I think that they're fine. I bet the over, I thought the line was weak. I thought the idea of them being bad was preposterous. I don't know where people got that yep. idea. But I thought they were fine. But I'm not sure that they're like top of the, they're definitely not top of the West good. The question is going to be, are they the type of team that starts at the top of the West and they slide to four? Or are the type of team that starts at the top of the West and then slides to six? six or seven and they're in the play-in right now. I've still kind of like, eh, I think they're a play-in team, but some of the teams in the West are struggling. So that opens a door for them. Uh, Jim, what do you think about Portland and where they're at, especially if they got to deal without Dame for, for a little while?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high on Portland right now. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, it, you mentioned it, but it's, it's almost the exact inverse of the, the situation in Memphis where, you know, one of the downsides to having Dame and Simons as your backcourt is, you know, come postseason you've got two small electric guards, but the, the upside to it is one goes down and it's not that it's not the end of the world. You can kind of fill in for a little bit easier than um, some teams that are, you know, that, that lack that, you know, multi overlap in, in skills. Um, yeah. Like you said, Grant's been playing great. Josh Hart has been playing great. I'm, I've always been high on Josh Hart. They, they, they have like those, this long, Strong at defense wings. They got Grant. They got Hart. Winslow's been solid again. And if Winslow. if Peyton if Peyton ever comes back, I, I'm high on them long term too. Even I think they're a team that could give some teams some trouble in the postseason. They're really switchable. Phillips seems to be coaching uh, a lot better than last season. Uh, so I, I I I really like this Portland team. And I, I, I love their ability to kind of float through this time when Dane's injured. They, I think they're three and two when he's out and two of those were decent wins. I think they beat Phoenix. And, uh, I think, uh, I'm looking at here, uh, the Pelicans as well, our beloved Pelicans. Um, so they, the, they, their, their floor is, is a little bit higher than I think I even realized coming into this season. And then the question becomes, you know, come postseason, season, how high is that ceiling with, with Lillard and, and Simons in the backcourt but they do have that wing wing length
0: that I really love um, I, I think they're a pretty fun team to watch right now with Portland in particular um, I think one of the questions is is they're getting this down on the defensive end which was really yeah. surprising me when I started looking through the numbers that to me is one where I start to th- that does raise like a little bit of a red flag at me you when you have a team that has never been good defensively with personnel that was the same, that should not be good defensively. There's no way that you can tell me that Dame, Nurkic, and Simons together should be a good defensive combo, no matter who you put in the other two slots. And people will say, well, Nurk's a good defender. And I'm like, yes, Nurk's a good defender when he can play drop, but he can't play drop with Dame and Simons because they're too small. And those two can be fine if you switch them, but you can't switch because Nurkic can't switch. Like, that's been my entire take yeah. on them historically. Uh, but my question for you is is this, is... does Portland have enough staying power to where given variance in everything just the universe here it it are long shot future division bets anything that you would even like remote like a division bet i think is at least interesting to ponder given that Minnesota is still trying to figure it, itself out Denver's looked awesome at times yeah but they're going through hns stuff right now not really them um in general I do kind of wonder if if Portland is accurately priced in the market.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that you could maybe get, you could get a good number on Portland in that regard. I mean, they, they've been playing really well and they're, you know, they're, they're two games behind the jazz and the win column, but I don't think any of us expect that to really hold up there. Um, I think that this, the division is interesting. It's kind of one of those things like nobody's really playing for the division. So I think it actually makes these division bets like, more interesting because it's just yeah. like, it just happens. um. And the concern that I have with Portland and you alluded to this with the defense is we saw this, I think it was two years ago with the New York Knicks and the Knicks had like, it was, it made no sense. Like their expected allowed effective field goal percentage was dramatically worse than what they were actually allowing. The Blazers have the worst expected allowed effective field goal percentage in the league at 55.5%. Um, and like, that's, that's not good. And the area, but it, what's interesting to me is that they're already performing poorly from three point range. So like in terms of what they're, where they're defending the shot. So like, they're giving up the threes already. It's not like there should be that much negative regression against them from three point range. So like, I, I don't know, if we can expect it to really like hold up. But like, I think in the regular season, it's fine because we've seen this where teams don't really exploit pressure points during yes. the regular season and it becomes a problem in the playoffs instead. So I think that what you're saying is really like, it's like, we look at this and it's like, yeah, I don't know, but like, you know, then it's, you know, it's like, then it's it's fine because it's the regular season, nobody cares. So I do think that there is an opportunity right now um to maybe bet on them with the fact that like yeah maybe dame misses some time but when you got simons averaging basically 30 points a game across like the last 30 games without dame like it's okay like they're they're gonna be good so i think it's an opportunity maybe
0: i'll say this this isn't as much of a long shot as i thought it was it wasn't as much of a buy low as i thought it was a fan duel uh nuggets are minus 185 blazers are only plus 480 you compare that to pelicans plus 210 good god what is this market uh yeah. jazz are plus 550 and then the wolves at plus 600 that's crazy oh, that's like, crazy we're actually not buying low in portland maybe let's uh give it a little bit of time um yeah. real quickly pascal siakam should be back soon he's entering like the time frame for the return from the groin injury he was one of the 10 best players i've seen this season like just point mm-hmm. blank overall production impact i've i am i've had a hard time figuring out toronto over the last couple of years and i started to bet well on and against them. I found good spots to back them. Um, you want them as a dog. You want them in spots where particularly I think you want them in as a home dog or small favorite versus good teams is where they are really good. Like I think they're actually a little bit better when they are of small favorite versus a good team. And the money's coming yeah. out on the other side, like that to me is like an advantageous por- uh, raptor spot. See, I'll come back soon, though, Jim. Um, That's going to return them. I've been staying away from them just because I'm like I'm not betting on Banton and uh, <laughs> Whatever, Chris Nurse Boucher thoughts. and this whole hey, Chris Boucher. I ride with Chris Boucher. He's okay. That's a choice. <laughs> that's a choice. He's been good. He's he's been good. Um, but especially for a team that wants to play at starters 45 minutes a night when those starters are not available, I've not wanted to bet them. But look, when they get back to full health, uh, the Raptors are a team I don't want futures on, but they're a team I want to look for night-to-night spots for. I'm looking at their line every night.
1: Yeah, their injury report has been insane. Even right now, there's eight players on it. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, I haven't bet on them in, I don't think, multiple weeks. When the, when there's that many players, it feels like every night they have five guys questionable. Um, but I agree with you. Uh, I actually, when, when they are healthy and when they're a little bit easier to figure out, um, I know you're a big, like looking for specific matchups and, and kind of factors for, for certain teams. Um, the stuff that I kind of weigh when I'm looking at teams as well, they kind of pop as really good in certain things and really bad in certain things. So I find them fun to bet that, you know, they, they, they get points off turnovers. They don't turn it over. Um, so you can kind of look for teams that are on the opposite ends of those spectrums. They hit the offensive glass really hard. Same deal there. Um, yeah, they're one of the teams that I, when healthy, enjoy betting most. Um, I think I'm a little bit, again, a little bit higher. I to our teams I'm lower. I'm not the person who's higher on every team. Uh, but I, I do like Toronto. It's another team like Memphis the kind of Memphis East for me, where, um, I think it's a great coach. Um, I think that they use their depth really well. And, and like Joe was saying, when we were talking about Memphis, they slot in those younger guys and they kind of get those minutes during the regular season. And they, then like, it pays off in, in gold down the line. So, um, I'm definitely looking, looking to bet them as, as they return to health. And I agree with you hundred percent on Siakam. He's one of those who it feels like, um, has really, you know, he, he, he took a little, little bit of a leap that maybe we thought was a, a bubble leap, but it, it looks like maybe it was, you know, uh, prospect, uh, growth is not linear kind of
0: up, down, up, down and moving back up. Yeah. I mean, I think with Siakam, the, the big key is that with him it's not that he added a component like that's what we want to look at it's like oh he's shooting threes now or oh he's got a post game yeah. and with siakam it's just he's just more polished he's just like a more polished player this season just he's more so refined good. he's more locked in he's so good at everything look i totally agree with you that the, the raptors are memphis east they're not going to win their division and they're going to get knocked down the first round of the playoff they <laughs> dare you so joe um <laughs> Uh, Joe, my only question on, on Toronto here is, uh, is Scotty Barnes ever going to be healthy enough for us to bet on his props again? Or are those apparently just playing? Like, apparently I, not. Like,
2: I don't know what to do with them anymore. Because every time I think that he's going to be like point Scotty, he has one assist and like Banton plays 50 minutes. So like I just, I've almost given, I've just given up on the Raptors well, at this sad. point. I don't, I don't know what to do with them.
0: <laughs> like, so we talked know. a lot about the, all these injuries and it's a reality, obviously in the, in the game every year. And it's been a bit of a problem increasing over the last couple of years. It's one of the reasons why you want to follow Fantasy Labs NBA on Twitter for as long as Twitter exists. You want to do that because we post updates from there constantly for just whatever is going on, game time decisions, starting lineups. You can wait, get that announcement. As soon as it's it's announced, it goes into the system. It gets spit out on Twitter. Turn on the notifications. You can go, oh, okay, they are starting who I thought they were starting. Now I can put this bet in. And most times, you know, there are exceptions. You'll see the line move. There's a sudden injury and you want to try and get ahead of that, obviously, but that's one of the values. But the other key for this is Bane. I think is represents a really good example of this. We've talked often on the show about X star is worth Y to the spread. Like we broke down Luca last week about how much he was going to be worth to the spread. And it wound up like we were pretty accurate on it being four and a half, like a point and a half more than Paul George, essentially a, a half point to a point depending on where LeBron's at in his career of LeBron, right? Somewhere in between there, like between Paul George and LeBron sounds like a good spot for Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. but most of the analysis is based on that. But if you're going to put Paul George at three points and I don't know, like John Morant, at two and a half or, or three or any of these numbers, by their very nature, role players are never going to get accounted for enough. So when you have these type of opportunities, when Desmond Bain is out, that's when I think you have an opportunity for it to be like the blind's not going to move two points on Desmond Bain should, but But it should. It's these key players. I think that are so essential for them. And I think that there are other players that really kind of like they, they're floor players is how I've kind of described them. They provide that underpinning of what you really need for Dallas. For me, like a good example here is Dorian Finney Smith. If DFS Hmm. is out, they're losing such an important defender and weapon that can shoot from the floor. That's not going to be accounted for in the spread enough. Even if they move it to half point, he's probably worth a point to a point and a half. And there's these numbers consistently, and they're written throughout all our analysis of action that you can find. So, I mean, Jim, that that to me is like the big takeaway is, is you can find spots here where the the thing to look for with injuries is not, oh, Dame's out. I'm going to bet against the Blazers. It's look for, oh, this other guy that doesn't get as much pub is out. And then sometimes I think that, that leaves an opportunity to actually fade the idea of a, of a star player being out hurting a team. Yeah, I, I agree 100.
1: Um, percent I was actually trying to scroll through and find a, another example of a player like Bane, you were talking about. I don't know if this is perfect, but the only the only one that kind of caught my eye is someone like a Patrick Williams on Chicago. Um, like that, he's not gonna. He might not even move a line if he's out. But you know, with he does some heavy lifting on their defense. Um, you know, being next to Vucevic and covering up for for some of their wings. Um, that's the type of player who, especially in a in a matchup where like if the if the opposition has a four, who can really go at him? Uh, you know that that is the type of player where a, a matchup may matter. but uh, to your latter point, yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. sometimes uh, you know, looking at like the suns without Chris Paul, um it kind of just brings a chaos factor into it um that you know it it obviously we want to land on a, a median and, and a point total, but you know, the, the Suns will go out and they'll I think they've won before today's game um, where they smacked the Knicks. Uh, they won their three as an underdog and lost their two as a favorite with Chris Paul. out. So it kind of just brings a, a chaos factor in that, you know, maybe maybe you look to zag sometimes when that star is out and and fade a favorite or play them as an underdog um, just because it's it's a little harder to know.
0: Joe, what are your thoughts on the, on this like general conversation, like how to approach yeah. these injury spots in the NBA? Because like, look, it's been a thing of betters of try base my the reason I don't necessarily preach the trying to follow the injuries obsessively and jump it. There are indications a lot now yeah. of guys being injured, and you'll see the line put in the middle in that nebulous zone between where he's in or out. And so I don't feel like you're betting into that liquid of a market and. I I don't. I just think it's a lot to ask for, even if you're a listener to this podcast, for you to be like, hey, I'm going to need you to stay entirely on Twitter and ignore your friends and family and your bills and your girlfriends and everything. Even if there's like if the building is burning down, I'm going to need you to be following the beat writer to find out if so and so is out. Like, I don't feel like that's sustainable. So I think instead taking these kind of angles is what's important.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the ways to look at it too, and I always try to look at it in the prop market is, you know, like I and I write and I write that and I give out that weekly piece that drops on Mondays for my prop forecast for the week. And I'll, I'll like look at some of these spots where, you know, maybe there's a back to back or we've been dealing with somebody that's been missing time or they're dealing with a nagging injury or something like that. And I try to look at it in advance and say, like, this is a spot that I'm targeting for this player. Um, and, you know, or this guy being out really impacts this, this other player. So like for the Blazers, it's easy, um, with Dame being out, it directly impacts Simons. Um, and like, those are some spots where I'm like, I have, I have in my head, like, I know like when, when that happens, like if I see a line, it's like three and a half threes for Simons. I'm betting it almost regardless of matchup just because of the volume that he gets without Damian Lillard. So like, sometimes you, if you get that notice and you're like, Oh, like this, you know, this so-and-so is out um, then it gives you an opportunity to then like reflect on it because while they can move the spreads and the totals, I think relatively easily, a lot of times the books don't really, adjust properly on the prop market because mm. they don't know where to go with it like they'll just say like oh like this is what this guy averaged in these games without Dame but then they don't consider the fact that you know in those in some of those games like they didn't have Jeremy Grant or they didn't have Nurkic or they didn't have some, like Josh Hart or, or whatever the circumstances so if you go go into it with that type of cap or that kind of background you can actually say like oh this line's too high um and that's actually what we found recently with Detroit where they were setting Killian Hayes lines because they were just too high because they were like, well, people are going to pivot to Hayes. And then, but you know, it's like, all right, like I'm not just going to bet overs because he's going to start because Dwayne Casey loves him or, you know, or he's going to get 30 minutes, but it's just like, it's still too high for this guy. So. It's still having, Killian Hayes. <laughs> yeah. It's still Killian Hayes. So it's like, you know, that, that's kind of the way I like to look at it too and just say, you know, you get that notice and it's like, all right. And now I know props are going to be live probably in the next five minutes uh, you know, or whatever, like I can take a look and see, maybe there's an angle here that I had, I had wanted to play, but just wasn't really available before.
1: One, uh, one piggyback off that. I think they struggle a little bit at the extremes too. I, you were all over bone season today. That one was, yeah. it, it would have been hard for them to set a line that, that would have been like high enough. I just, with, with all the people they had in health and safety, and knowing that Bones was gonna like it, it, it just screamed over, and he cleared it by what uh, was it like a dozen? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the so. extreme
0: sometimes can be a little hard for them to to naturally move it that far. So exactly. Let's move on to most important covers. It gives you the best games for the weekend and what we need to learn from them. We'll get to that game in this because boy, did that not work out the way that I thought it was when I was writing this rundown. Let's <laughs> uh, we'll start with the Jazz, who win again uh, versus Portland this team just remains red hot three and one now versus division opponents. And those are, that's a pretty good freaking division right now in the Northwest. Um, I'm, I'm starting the clock on Utah to make the playoffs. And what that means is I'm not betting it, but if they're still here by December 15th, I'm going to have to bet it because last year, the Cavaliers essentially were the jazz, like Got off to this great start. and Everybody's like, well, okay, but like you had a 23 over under, or 29 and a half win total. There's no way you're that good. And everyone kind of waited. And then by December 15th, it was like, no, Cleveland's just good. And bet Cleveland to make the playoffs, which got me a good spot to bet against them in the Nets uh, Nets game. And I was able to, to make value on it. And that was with all the injuries at the end. If, if Cleveland hadn't gotten hurt in that last month of the season, they'd probably get the sixth seed instead of Chicago and they make the playoffs outright and that bet cashes. So I'm starting the clock on it. Um, on Saturday night, after they beat the Blazers, Jared Vanderbilt noted scholar tweeted that <laughs> Laurie Markkinen is an all-star, period. And Mike Conley retweeted it with a 100 emoji. To me, there's just no question here. I think we're just about done here, Joe. Um, Laurie Markkinen is one most improved player, and Tyrese Halliburton's votes are dead. Let's just go ahead and – I think we can go ahead and this just call crazy. it. I'm I'm comfortable. I know there's a lot of season left, but I think we – uh, Jared Vanderbilt tweeted he's an all-star. I don't know what there, what there is to say about well, Laurie. Is Jared I... Vanderbilt tweeting that Tyrese Halliburton is an all-star? I don't think so. I mean Halliburton should start in the All-Star game, honestly. But (laughs) for those those that, that are new to the show, Joe has been was hammering Tyrese Halliburton from the second the most improved player opened over the summer. That was his guy. <laughs> he's in night to night. We have an ongoing thing. And I continue to think that real is, he's awesome. He's an amazing player, but you know, the Pacers yeah. won't be good enough to qualify. Uh, marketing is like Halliburton and that he's having this amazing season, but doing on a team that actually wins games. And so like my question for you then is, is just uh, by, I, I do actually want to get your sense on this. Look, most improved player is going to be a fascinating debate. It was yeah. a long way to go. But I will say that I think the fact there's still kind of this like really Lori Markkinen. I'm like no, Laurie, like Laurie Markkinen is leading a current playoff team. It's like, crazy.
2: This yeah. needs to be it, acknowledged. It, it it is it is like absolutely insane what he's doing. But like honestly, like if we look at the like I I just can't imagine that the Jazz are going to be a top seed. In the playoff phrase, like if like, I think like w- what's going to happen is realistically is like the jazz, if they make the playoffs or the postseason, let's call it that. Like they're likely in the play in, which means that they likely are like they have to perform worse from this point through the rest of the season yeah. um, as a team, which I think hurts marketing. Um, and, and that probably or that means that he's just playing worse or like whatever the circumstances are. Um The other thing is like he's averaging, he's his numbers are good. He's averaging like twenty-two and eight or like eight and a half. Um, but I guess like it, I just don't. I I guess I just don't really. I don't really see it when you have these other guys. No, like when you have these other guys that are contributing in more ways. Um, like SGA is contributing across. If
0: we're being if we're being real here, it's SGA. Like he's the odds-on favorite at FanDuel (laughs) plus one ten, and he should be. Like SGA is 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 in that. Hey, is he most improved player? No, he might be MVP. Like he just yeah. might be, and that's MVP. what they he's love to give lately. Like ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's
2: what what they thought John Morant was doing last year is what SGA <laughs> is doing this year. Yeah. So much um, Grizzly slander. Yeah, I will slander the Grizzlies to no end, and then. <laughs> but, uh, so, but like, I think that my difference with Halliburton was that he, the offense is actually good. Like their offense is good. Like the Pacers offense was not good at all without him. Granted, I guess the jazz wasn't good without Laurie either, but it's, you know, I think it's a little bit more direct comparison um, just between last year and this year, but I don't know. I, I, I still like, I think I like Halliburton. I think he impacts more players with his ability because he's helping with the assists he's a fil- facilitating the offense he's not as much of just like a true score but
0: um and he's still putting up 20 a game Man, well, uh, again but- this, this is sga but i'm just gonna go ahead and fact check you right here utah has the fourth best adjusted they do. rating indiana is ninth utah is, is 21st in defense the jazz are 25th the jazz have a plus 3.6 adjusted net rating that's actually good the Blaze, the the pacers <laughs> have a minus 0.4 that's actually bad like it is bad they're a bad team they are bad but if we look at last
2: year like granted i i don't know to what extent we can attribute this only to lauren marketing because the jazz brought in all these vets that (laughs) the collective is really just making the offense so much better. Sure, They got rid of Donovan Mitchell,
0: Bogdanovich, and Rudy Gobert. But really, it's Laurie Markkinen that's got all the help. I get that's it. That's exactly what it is. It's a Jim. system. He's in the system.
2: He's playing in the jazz system of
0: offense. If we're excluding SGA and you got to pick between Tyrese Albert and Laurie Markkinen, who do you like for most improved player right now?
1: Oh, How boy. How Joe knows I ride shotgun with him (laughs) on
0: Halliburton,
1: but but for this award, I do I do think you're right. Um, I think it it, Markkinen is is, I'd probably lean towards Markinen only because if you look at Halliburton, what he was doing for the Pacers last year, and it's part of why I rode so hard shotgun on the twenty five and ten bet. Yeah, uh, that's looking really tasty and and impossible. Um, he was basically doing that for the Pacers last year. Um, so I I think if. If if Markkinen is able to to keep up these these numbers and the Jazz keep winning, uh, I think it's feasible. But I actually I actually don't know if I, I I I have a slate I have a I have a comparison for you, Matt. So you mentioned the, uh, the Jazz as this year's Cavaliers. Uh, we we mentioned maybe in passing. Mike Conley today had a non-contact knee injury. Now there there's potentially it might not be anything, but they're going to reassess when they get back from the road trip. If that is something. Could that be the Ricky Rubio moment in the season where they suddenly start to fall off? They're not a top three seed in the West, which I don't think any of us think they are going to be. They slip down to that seven through 10 morass. They end up slipping out of the playoffs entirely. Then suddenly the Pacers, you know, in the 11 seed, then the records are kind of
0: close. Wait, wait what, what records are kind of close?
1: The Pacers are, the Pacers, you know, they, they may hover around 450 winning percentage. <laughs> Hey, you said negative
0: 0. 0.4. That's that's terrible net rating. They are nine and six. They are nine and six. Um, the other thing I, I think it is interesting though is if this were just a narrative show, we'd be talking about like Tyrese Halliburton deserves more attention. They're nine and six, and look what he's doing versus Lori Marketing. But we're a betting show, so we deal with what actually is being discussed. And everyone's like, Wow, Utah's really good, and like, look at Lori Marketing. And no one's talking about the about the Pacers yeah, and Tyrese Halliburton. They're like, Yeah, he's getting good numbers. Good for him. So anyway. Like that's, that's it. Like that's yeah. just because it's, it's exactly what we expected. The Pacers are going to score a lot of points. Tyrese Halbert is going to put up a lot of numbers. That's it. That's it. Like that's just that's yeah. the end of the conversation is like, okay, cool. Um, it, the question I think is you do have to, you have to talk yourself into one of these teams being in playoff contention thunder pacers or jazz. It's rough. Yeah. <laughs> and that's maybe, maybe that's why you should go ahead and wait on most improved player. Um, Milwaukee really gets a big win Warriors. versus the Bucks on Friday. And that was a a monster win. Milwaukee's starting to slide like a little bit. The offense is finally starting to catch them because they've been bad offensively from the start of the season without Chris Middleton. That continues. Jim I'll ask you: do you think it's, it's just Chris Middleton that's missing from this team? And then when they get back, they're going to be fine. When they started off and they were just destroying everyone, we're like, here are the Bucs again, Giannis MVP. And now it's kind of starting to look like, you know, they can't really score and that's a problem uh, getting to be a little bit of an issue uh, for them a little bit. Do you think Middleton fixes all that? I think he fixes most of it. They did come out of the gates, you know, really
1: hot, but I think a, a, a decent portion of that was the schedule that it was about as soft a schedule as you can possibly have that those first, I think 10, 11 games. Um, and I, I, say this half in jest, but half serious Maybe we're seeing like the delayed effects of that overseas trip. I mean, that's, that's something you brought up. That was a really, really cool factor you brought up in preseason. And, and you know, it, it's leaning on the Warriors pretty heavy right now. And, you know, we didn't see it at first from the Bucs. They started off, you know, undefeated. It was like, oh, well, that's not a thing. And, you know, maybe it is. Maybe that's a little bit of, of the, the tired legs that are getting front rims on jumpers uh, and, and making, making that offense not click quite as much as we're used to.
2: I mean that offense too. Like if we really look at it, like based on last year, um, the the Bucks like they they crushed their threes and they made a lot of their threes. And this year they're not they're not really dropping. Yeah. But if we look at Milwaukee's offense, like they're still getting those looks. Like the 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 system is working, but it's just a matter of that they're not the shots aren't falling. So I, I think that getting Middleton back, who is a sharpshooter, can is just an absolute bucket it's got to help the offense. And, you know, maybe they try to figure out which of their guys is the one that they're going to have to keep on the floor um, in terms of three-point shooting, whether it's like, whether it's Allen, whether maybe Carter is the guy now and he continues to get more minutes with the, with the starters. But I think that that, that, that shooting should regulate because their expected effective field goal percentage versus their actual effective field goal percentage is, uh, you know, a little it has it has a quite a bit of a gap right now at this point in the season. And I expect that to kind of even out, um, especially since, you know, they are a good shooting team at their core. And I think that when you get Middleton back, your offense can't
0: get worse. I agree. They're also probably going to improve because. Of, OK, so. Here's how I'll put this. I was pretty convinced that by the end of the week. Like, on Wednesday, Thursday, I was pretty convinced that by the end of the week, they were going to have made a trade. Uh, they were going to have been part of a trade for Jay Crowder. That's been reported. That's been out there. That started really burbling and, like, caught fire, and then, like, everyone was talking about it. Uh, Bucks had – they lost um, – one of their longtime personnel people passed away. It was really uh, – the people I've talked to were really upset, the knew him, and so it was it was really horrible. Uh, That's obviously, you know, everyone's just going to take a little bit on that. There's been some other talks with Phoenix for Crowder. There's a couple of other suitors on there, but it looks like Phoenix is moving into position to go ahead and pull the trigger on the Crowder trade. And when that happens, they, then if the bucks wind up with them, Crowder fits a, a lot of their problems. Now that will mean a little bit of their shot creation disappears. They'll get tougher They'll add another wing, which they honestly were really short on after the like the Ibaka trade was a disaster for them, in my opinion. Yeah. They're still trying to fix that. We'll see who they wind up sending out, but they're going to lose some shot creation in that deal. If they get Crowder, I still kind of expect them to wind up with Crowder. They're the one team that makes the most sense, and they're the one team that I've heard people I've talked to have said that Milwaukee seems like the most reliable in terms of being willing to go forward with it and most enthusiastic. So uh, definitely not a position, I think, to start – You don't want to start like, Ooh, I I want to go another direction against the bucks like division. If you like them for the title, I wouldn't waver off of that. Everything should be fine there. Uh, Kyrie returns with the Brooklyn nets on Sunday. And of course there was controversy because hate group protested outside. That's, that's fun. Um, That's not fun at all. It's horrible. And Kyrie once again, after the game made a bunch of messy comments that you can find out online, this is a betting show. We're going to focus on other stuff. I'm not really impressed with this win because Memphis, as we talked about, is a shell of itself right now. I will say I've got an article coming out that's got my power ratings, not power rankings, power ratings. These are what my my numbers spit out. I have Brooklyn as the fourth best team in the NBA, and that hurts me deeply. It, it makes me sick you to my stomach, that. and that's after manual adjustments to bring them down. I can't drop them any further. There's a reason for it. They're top fifteen in half court offense, half court defense, transition offense, transition defense. They're top five in two of those categories. They're good in terms of the numbers. Kyrie makes me nervous because they've been winning with defense lately, and I don't trust them when he when he's on the floor. Uh, Jim, do you have it? What's your big takeaway from Kyrie returning to the Nets?
1: Uh, I, I, I this kind of a basic takeaway, but I think it helps the ceiling a lot. And I think it shatters the floor. Uh, I think it just makes them, you know, the most variant team in the league. Like they've been for the last three seasons. Um, I, if, if things are clicking, they, they can't, they do look like the fourth best team in the NBA. Like that, uh, that's what we've always said about them on paper. And Simmons is even, you know, starting to show some signs of life, but <laughs> I just, I can't get there from. a a, a non-numerical perspective i just we've seen so many times this team get in their own way as soon as things start to look decent and you know some of it's injury stuff you can't really help but a lot of it is stuff that you can control and they are terrible at controlling so from a long-term perspective um i'm still gonna stay away from a day-to-day yeah i'll i'll hop in and while the good times are good i'll i'll try and join you because i do think that you know, because that long-term perspective is so ugly, a lot of people that bleeds into their day-to-day view of them, and can almost, in a weird way, make them a little bit underrated
2: in the market at times.
0: I've got the Royce O'Neill stat for me. So
2: Royce O'Neal has been a bucket with Kyrie Irving, and they said they keep setting his line at one and a half threes. They did this on Sunday. Logged in the action app, we cashed in the first quarter on the over. Wow. Um, he averages. He made four. He averages 2.7 on 6.1 attempts. So that's 43%. For whatever reason, when Kyrie Irving plays, he just drains threes. Um, so there I think it's gonna, it's kind of a hard line to adjust because you go to two and a half and you start getting a lot of like weird variance with rotations. Um, and you probably have to juice the you probably have to juice the over. And then that still becomes a play because of where he's averaging. He's at 2.7 uh, on that many attempts. So I, I do like this. I think it's a spot that you can continue to play. Um, as long as they're gonna hang as as long as they keep hanging a one and a half, uh, he should be able to make two, especially when he's getting almost seven attempts with Kyrie Irving on the floor. Um, and that's even some games with you know, with Joe Harris, with Seth Curry, with Patty Mills,
0: you know, he's he's still getting those opportunities. Then dynamite prop play just so. a random one. Exactly. No, it makes a lot. I think of one of the reasons it makes a lot of sense to me is with Kyrie, you can run more pick and roll and Katie always wants to get to the middle of the floor because he likes the middle of the floor a lot. And he wants the options that it presents Kyrie yeah. runs more side pick and roll, which means the defense has to overload and Kyrie's really good at reversing to the other side. Uh, he's not one of the best passers in the NBA at that, but he is pretty reliable and at least looking for it. And Royce is almost always their weak side shooter. So I think yeah. that's probably where a lot of that comes from uh the nuggets so they get hit with health and safety protocols no joker no aaron gordon well aaron gordon's been sick he should be back yeah maybe for the pistons game he's been sick non-covid which i'm sorry i'm just having a hard time like oh what a coincidence aaron gordon's really (laughs) under the weather at the same time the two of his teammates are in covid protocols weird like I don't get it. It's, well, it's <laughs> Seems how strange. this stuff works, man. Sometimes you just won't test. Um, if he doesn't test positive, if he stays out and they're testing him daily, if he stays out, then he should be back. Like he almost played, I think on Sunday. Uh, he should be back. But Jamal Murray, Nicole Yoka just get, like there's no telling. And like, trust me, I've asked. And there's uh, there's not going to be any sort of inside info on, yeah, he tested negative. He should be out in a couple of days. Like, no, there's also uh, as a reminder, this is a good opportunity to remind betters as we get into COVID season. What a world uh, that when they get cleared, do not expect them back the next game. So when you hear that they're out of health and safety protocols and they're questionable, it is not like with an injury where they're out and then listed questionable. The conditioning is a problem because they're away from the team. They're not doing shooting. They're not doing anything. And if they're symptomatic, there's obviously leftover as I can attest, because I had COVID for literally like two and a half months. That's with symptoms. <laughs> there's just lingering stuff. And so a lot of guys, they are not back for two to three games after being out of health and safety. However, despite all that, Jim, the Nuggets in Dallas after getting annihilated on Friday night, thanks to a Vlaco chanchar delayed halftime sequence. You can look it up. Just go, <laughs> go read Tim McMahon's story on it. With a Vlaco chanchar half-court shot with two seconds left on the clock, to end the second half after halftime. Yes, I said that. And then Michael Porter Jr. with a massive three at the end. They get the win versus the Mavericks. This is a absolutely monster, monster win for the Nuggets. And the reason I say that is, one, it splits the season series 1-1 with the Mavs. And two, they lost that Knicks game in horrifying fashion. This essentially gets the value of that game off. So if you thought going in, oh, they should beat the Knicks and then lose to the Mavericks twice, they should be one and two after these three games without these guys. Now they're in that spot, exact same spot. Like that's where they're at. It was a huge win for Nuggets tonight.
1: It's massive, especially on the, the West right now. You've got eleven, maybe twelve teams who you start being, like, oh yeah, that's a playoff team. Yep, that's a play. Yep, that's play. At some point, a few of these aren't going to make the cut, right? And. All of these teams are hovering right together right now. I think it's like two games separating. Um, I'm going to leave out the jazz for a second because I assume they're going to slide a little bit. But second place to to like 11th place, I think <laughs> is, is two games. And I mean, all these teams are going to be going in and out of health and safety. We've talked about the injuries. They're all going to be having players injured. If you can get a lucky win here, a lucky win there, avoid of a crazy tank when you're in health and safety protocols, those are going to be the things at the end of the season that are going to be the difference between being in the, in the play-in and being the three seed. It's good. I don't see it shaking out all that much to, to separate it. It's a tight West. There's the parody is awesome, but it means that you got to really, you got to win get a couple lucky wins when, when your stars in health and safety.
2: hundred percent. And I mean, you got to have the guys that step up and like i think the nice thing with the Who nuggets stepped up is on on sunday night joe <laughs> we got bones it's bone season so i mean he's been awesome i mean the last couple games he's played uh you know he's getting he's getting his minutes he's playing over 20 minutes a game and he scored in his last four games he's uh, or his last three games rather without jokic he's got 21 points 17 points 29 points so he's been a bucket and the thing is too he's also making his threes. So in the last three games with in the same situation, three makes, three makes and five makes on 8, 11 and 10 attempts. So he's all over the floor. He's taking over the reins of the offense and I think it's great for a couple different reasons, but the first of all is they, the Nuggets need him to perform, yeah. but I think that they also really need him to be like a sixth man. And if this is the way that he can get there and get comfortable and get like get these big, big reps. And it's something that I talked about before about the Grizzlies, but if Bones can do that basically for the Nuggets, that's an incredible development opportunity for him. And you know, Malone's gonna play him since it's not his rookie season. So uh he can actually get uh-
1: we we already looking for 2023-2024 Bones Most Improved Player uh, props. Is that hey, we going to be might. riding
2: on that all season?
0: <laughs> we might. <laughs> I already have him for six, man. So yeah. he's going to win something those. at some point. Right? Uh, Chicago's slipping hard, and there's just like a lot of doomsday around them. They got the, the KOC time-to-blow-it-up treatment that seven teams a year get. And uh, if they fall, Jim, I'll ask you this real quick question like there's a lot to, to break down with Chicago. I'll let Brandon rant about it next Friday. Uh, if they fall, who do you think takes advantage and gets into the play in conversation in the Eastern conference?
1: The team that I cannot quit this season, the Orlando magic. What? Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out for a second. So I, they're, they're struggling right now. I think they're five and 12. Let me look up exactly what they are. They're, uh, they are 5 and 12 yet, but their Pythag is a little bit higher. They're 7 and 10. They've had a couple of unlucky losses. They've got some injuries right now. I think the key thing, and you've said it before on this podcast, it's true, they, they need a point guard to steady the ship. So until they seem to be able to keep someone healthy in that position, um, I, I'm not going to see it. But I still love the long term future of the team, and long term, even being end of the season, if they can, or middle of the season, if they can just. Get those point guards on the court. What I do worry about, Paolo, it's been six games with an ankle injury. They don't really seem to be rushing people back. I do worry a little bit that you know they're they're the secret um, Wembenyana. Like we're going we're going for Victor. Um, I do worry and that they that's, have him. Yeah. Ball, ball. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Bull Bull and Victor together. <laughs> I'm sure that's what their front office is thinking. So I, this is the team that to me has. It intrigues me. I can't quit them, but there are there's red flags aplenty for sure. So I could be talked out of it.
0: Well, I mean, I think the question is is if you like the Pacers and think they're going to make the playoffs, and the Raptors and they're going to make the play playoffs, and all these different teams. Where's you know, the Pacers? The magic. Pacers are pacers. falling off. Pacers are falling off. They're, they'll be just outside of it. Um. Look, I, I have the Magic on Friday, and I like their win total over of of 27 (laughs) but the the playoffs seem like a high bar uh i i kind of think look the knicks are the are the 10th seed right now uh miami's 11 and that's you know they've they're racked with injuries as well we didn't even get to them without hero and and butler they got destroyed by the Cavs. but i don't really know what to make of the heat right now i really i genuinely don't um the knicks i think are pretty decent joe i i really do i think this is a decent team i think that you know they lost to the Suns on Sunday. That's a rough spot. Uh, they, they lost in Golden State and in Phoenix. Got the the double uh, altitude win versus Utah. That was big. And yeah. Denver, that helps. They're eight and nine. I just think that the Knicks are a perfectly fine team. Like I, I think that yeah. they are just solid. They they beat the teams that they're supposed to be
2: generally, and then they get absolutely hosed by the good teams. That's just the way that they are this year. Um, and you know, we'll see, we'll see if RJ can find his shot at all because he just literally cannot make he couldn't throw a basketball into the ocean right now. But like it's you know, it's I think that the these teams falling off where you have a team that does have like a relatively high floor in the Knicks, like once they figure out their rotations, it should sure up a postseason berth for them. I don't know about playoffs, but it should at least put them in the postseason season picture. Um, and, you know, I, I think that they should be at least a 500 team. Can All I right.
1: circle back to one thing real quick, Matt, for, I do want to clarify that <laughs> I was reading this as a, I already saw the bulls as a play in team. So to replace them as a play in team, sure, I see sure. the magic. Yeah, no no, we no you. playoffs. Don't go making yeah, not, not magic protect- bets, no magic playoff bets, please.
0: <laughs> not saying you're gonna you keep the magic and finish above the Sixers. I get it. like I get it. I get it. Please do not make that bet and then no. blame me. No. Um yeah, uh it's I think the magic will be okay. I think I I would love to see them with the point guard. You said women, you know, entering the women yama. Instead will they get scoot? You know, yeah. solve your yeah. solve your point guard issues with the other team. Great the point draft. Like you get women yama, okay, great. You can trade Wendell Carr Jr. and get great return on him, but you get Scoot Henderson, and you're just like, hey, we got we're Scoot, good. Franz, Palo. It's a fun team. So, uh, all right, lastly, we're going to do best bet on MVP right now. So if you had to bet right now, we're just going to do MVP this week and not the entire award slate like I do with AC. Uh, Joe, let's start with you. Where, if you had to bet right now, if I told you, like, here's 100 bucks, you got to bet at FanDuel Sports right now, who are you betting for MVP? It pains me to
2: give this recommendation, but Joel Embiid is plus 850 on FanDuel. You can shop around and maybe get a, you see, we see what the numbers are out there on the market. Cause this is always kind of moving. Um, I think that this is his opportunity. If I, I like it as a spot to buy into him, I yes. think that it's going to be too late to do it in two weeks because When Harden comes back, he's going to have already had that, you know, that like pop up in his stats against this kind of soft schedule uh, coming up. And like you said, he likes beating up on these bad teams. He is going to love this opportunity to just roll through some teams, maybe pick up a player of the month, throw that one in the MVP, you know, portfolio and uh, see how he can keep doing it. But I I like him beat for this, especially at this number. Um, I think it's a good opportunity to buy into him right now.
0: You can't shop around and find longer numbers, and we'll see how the number fluctuates at FanDuel. At plus 850, this is a 10.5% implied. That does seem low to me. Um, yeah. I just think one with the variance of the season, right? If you expect that one of the top four guys, Steph, Luca, Giannis, and B's probably in the four range. Yeah, I guess mean, it's the Yeah. Yeah. If you expect, even if you expect some of the other guys like Donovan Mitchell to fall off, Ja, I think falls off. Yeah. Uh, those guys, even if they fall off, I think Embiid probably gets a chunk of those percentages towards him. And if anybody else falls off, I think Embiid slides in there. Uh so I can't hate that bet, even if it's not mine. Jim, what's your uh, I'll go ahead and give mine because I think we're on the same page here actually. Yeah. Uh it's Steph. Guys, Steph, Steph, Steph's absurd. Um, he's he's re- like, look. Never been the biggest Steph guy. I'm not a shooty hoops person. I like passing. I like said. I'm like, what a what a well set screen there. I'm like, oh, did you see how he dug in and read that pass and made a deflection? I know he scored, but like that sequence, I am not the holy shit. He pulled up from 35 feet, guy. Not not my thing. But good God! Before tonight's game, before tonight's win over the Rockets, Steph is averaging 32.8 points per game. boards, which, by the way, that's a ton. Uh, He is averaging uh, more than Shea in rebounds per game, and he's only 0.6 behind Tatum for boards. He's averaging 6.4 assists. He's averaging more assists than Tatum uh, and Embiid and Giannis. He's averaging more assists than Giannis. He's averaging a uh, solid one steal per game. That gets him in those categories. Uh, 53% from the field, 45% from three. And 93% from three-point range. So that's a good 53, (laughs) 45, 93 shooting splits. Steph's absolutely absurd. I mentioned this on Friday. I will keep going back to it. The number one five-man lineup with 100 minutes played this season is the Golden State Warriors starting lineup. And they've lost every road game until tonight versus what is almost a non-NBA team. Like, yeah that I cannot stress enough how over the course of a season, the warriors are going to be fine. And Steph's number has to shorten Luca. I think is going to keep doing this. If anything, honestly, I think the lowest, the, the point now where I'm kind of out, I already have a big position on Giannis got in on Giannis in the summer. I got in on Giannis in parlays with Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, but Pat Mahomes and all these types of things, uh, I'm good on Giannis for right now. This is to me, Jim. This is not a buy point time on Giannis. It is Luca, Embiid, Steph is where you want to get your money in for MVP. Unless you're one of these people that thinks Tatum wins, which I, I explained on Friday. I can't get to. No, I, I mean it doesn't
1: make for great podcasting, but ditto. I mean you covered it really well. Uh, I think the the biggest thing being that I I'm I'm, I'm low on the Warriors this team. I'm low on, but I do you're you're 100 right. the the, the five man unit is not the problem. And if they start to, as the season goes along, slowly shed some of those minutes, um, what Steph's doing, looking at last season now looks like a little bit more like the outlier. His shooting was down, whether it was for the chase for that record or you know just worn out legs or whatever it may be. This season looks a lot like two seasons ago, and these numbers look very sustainable. Um, and I know, Joe, you're the prop king, but one that I've been loving this season is they are just not moving Steph's line. You're getting 27 yeah. and a half most nights. Tonight it was 27 and a half against the Rockets, which kind of blew my mind because also these Warriors aren't really blowing teams out. So he's playing 34 minutes a game. And he's cruising over these totals. I think he's hit it in eleven of sixteen now, Yeah, he's and like, and he's been clearing it by like five six points. Um, so that's one that until they adjust, I think they're they're weighing last season a little too heavy. When I think maybe there were some other factors there for Curry, um, the the chase, and and that that, that that we've seen in every sport that that wears on on athletes when they're when they're leading up to a record. I think this year he is locked in. He's I think he sees as a chance to to grab another MVP. I think. You know he wants to catch. He wants to pass LeBron and rings. He wants to catch folks and everything. Like I, I think he's pretty locked in right now. And and I'm gonna keep riding these point total overs. And I'm I'm with you on the MVP, Matt. I think he's great value.
0: Okay, let's get it up for buckets for your Monday episode. Sean, Chicago Flow, we'll be back with Jay and folks on Tuesday morning for your best bets episode. I will be with you hosting with with the fellas going into wednesday's episode we're off thursday friday no no thanksgiving no black friday we'll be back with you on monday so check out the best best episode tomorrow check out the best best episode on wednesday enjoy your thanksgiving weekend eat lots of turkey go ahead and use your winnings betting on these games and these props to get some cranberry sauce That good that good cranberry sauce by the way look it up there's a pear cranberry sauce recipe that's floating out there look it up. It is absolutely the best cranberry sauce you will find in the universe. You can find most things betting, not the recipe, but everything that's betting you can find on the Action Network app. Make sure to check that out. The award-winning app. You can follow Joe and Jim in there. Jim's at Jim Turvey Bets. Joe's in there, Joe Dallara. I'm in there at HB Basketball. Check it out. Fader follow. Appreciate you guys. Five-star reviews. Always love those. Thanks so much for everything. We'll see you guys again tomorrow with the Best Bets episode here. Till then, let's get buckets.